0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to Autism Spectrum Radio. If you are caring for a person with autism, great information from a trusted source can be a lifeline. We hope today's conversation will help you create success for the extraordinary individual with autism in your life. Now, here is your host, Rob Haupt. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Autism
2: Spectrum Radio. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. Um, I am uh, vice president here at Autism Spectrum Therapies uh, as well as a board-certified behavior analyst. Um, i've been doing this for about thirteen years now and uh it's uh it's it's been quite a journey uh practicing and working with families uh and meeting people uh both on the east coast and the west coast and and over these last couple of years even uh even in the south a little bit um, you know i'm really i'm really excited i know we haven't uh we've taken a little bit of a break letting me kind of travel around more and more and over these last, I don't know, over these last few weeks, I've been finding myself talking more and more to people who are not in, you know, the ABA community or or even the the autism community and and having a lot more conversations with people who really just are kind of starting from square one of like, what is this? You know, I've read an article. I've heard news stories. uh, I know that this is something that's important or that... Um, a lot of people are talking about, and they, they want to learn more about it, but they really have no foundation. And, and I'm finding it really interesting. You know, it's, I think you know, hosting this show, meeting so many people, you know, I, I think I was starting to develop this sense that the awareness we've been uh, creating and developing is really kind of taking hold, and, and it certainly has. But I think I kind of had this false sense of just how far we've come. And what's been really great about these conversations I've had recently is it's given me an opportunity to spend some more time kind of giving uh, you know, the beginnings, the, that initial education to people who, who weren't getting it otherwise. Um, in some cases, people I, I think actually had some, some misinformation. And in some other cases, I think they had just um, just completely – you know, no information, and it's it's very interesting to kind of see these initial foundations, these initial the kind of building blocks of awareness, kind of develop to uh, to the different people I was speaking with. Um, but it also pointed out to me just how far we have to go. You know, uh, a a Times article is fantastic. Uh, a story on the local news is amazing. You know, it starts a dialogue. But we've got to keep momentum. We've got to keep these dialogues happening because you know, in all these cases, it's someone who had a conversation or maybe saw a story or read a story and then didn't have anyone anywhere else to go. And most of the time, actually, they, they didn't realize how easy it would have been or how many people near them who they could have kept the dialogue going with. Um, so I think that's going to be really important for us. It's, it, it's spreading this awareness but really spreading this awareness to the people in the, who are not really in our community. You know, we've talked about, with so many of our recent guests, you know, politicians and people on school boards and the people who, who are coming into contact with us and our kids, but, you know, this these last few weeks have really given me that appreciation for just the local business owner, the... You know, the person at a store. The, the, in one case, the the person sitting next to me at a restaurant who couldn't help but overhear a conversation I had with my wife. I mean, it's it's all these random connections, but they're, they tie into so many parts and aspects of of our children's lives, and, and it can really benefit us in so many ways. So there's just there seems like there's a lot more for us to do, and, and a lot more things we can. Kind of change and a lot more awareness we can do, um, which actually really ties in well to so much of, of what today's show is going to be about and, and so much about um, what our, our guest is doing um, on even a broader level than, than just autism. Um, so today I'm joined by uh, Sarah Rintamaki. Um, she's the Executive Director of Connecting for Kids. She's also its founder. Um, and she has an MBA from the University of Chicago in finance and strategic management. She was a management consultant for the Boston Consulting Group and a product manager for Progressive Insurance Company before becoming a stay-at-home mother of two adorable boys. She loves reading and is passionate about exercising ice cream and outwitting her husband at some board games. Uh, Sarah, welcome to the show.
0: And Thank you, Rob. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: Um, So I was hoping you could kind of tell us about what is Connecting for Kids and how did it get started?
0: Well, it got started from my own personal journey. Um, My sons um, both missed uh, pretty much all of their developmental milestones, um, and I was left in this world of um, trying to figure out how to help them. You know, it was overwhelming. It was, I'm sure many of your listeners who have children with autism can relate that it was um, a a myriad of specialists and doctors and therapists, and um, my husband and I were just um, overwhelmed and distraught, and we're located outside of Cleveland, Ohio, which has a wonderful healthcare facility and and great professionals. But it it wasn't easy to tap into a network of support and helping to find the right professionals to help our children. And Mm -hmm. so, and both my children had developmental delays. So when my youngest was getting ready to go to kindergarten, Mm -hmm. my husband and I decided to start up Connecting for Kids um, with the idea to help parents. Um, And and really, it's, it's a parent program that helps to educate and connect parents into uh, the community of resources and support.
1: Mm-hmm. And we
0: decided not to make it diagnosis-specific. We really made it open for whatever your child is struggling with, we will help you connect uh, to the community and then help to educate you about the baseline issues that your child might be going through. Um, and it's, it's been just a fabulous Fabulous ride! We've been going now for three years, and we've mm-hmm. had more than 2,600 participants in one of our programs so far. Wow! So, yeah, it just exploded.
2: exploded. That's amazing. Is the
0: only word. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Do you do you have a sense? I mean, you, you said it. It's exploding. You know, is there? Do you have a sense of why? Is is there a particular approach you guys have? that you feel has really resonated with, with the community and with parents?
0: I think it's this, um, you know, forget about the labels. And really all of our marketing is, are you concerned about your child? Call us. Mm-hmm. And... That really, you know, and, and we sort of, we leave it open. We say you could be concerned about your child maybe because of a situation that's going on, maybe a divorce. I talk to parents whose kids, you know, stop eating because they're going through a divorce. It could be something that's going on in the school. Maybe they're struggling with learning disabilities or a bully on the playground. Or it could be a formal diagnosis like an autism spectrum disorder or ADHD. Yeah. Um, and so that whole range keeps it broad enough that um, it becomes almost like a funnel with the idea yeah. that if you contact us, um, we'll help to educate you, give you the basic information, and then connect you into the right resources and support. Um, but there's a lot of parents worried about kids. Well,
2: I was going to ask you that I'm glad you brought up the, this focus more on kind of what the issue is versus the label. Um, Because I feel like that's like a really interesting balance or dynamic um, that I know personally I kind of swing back and forth on. So was that something that you sought out to do from the get-go of, you know, let's not get into a diagnosis, but let's get into these issues? Like I know the the site really focuses on things like social skills or impulsivity rather than the diagnosis that is oftentimes associated with those issues. Did did you intend to do that from the get-go, or was that something that you guys just kind of got a sense from the people you were talking to that that would be the right way to go?
0: No, that was it was a core philosophy when we founded it, that we would never have a program that would say um, parents of kids with autism. Tonight we were talking about autism and teenagers or whatever, um, that it would always be based on the – um, characteristic of the child. And I think it came from my own personal struggle. Um, you know, as I tell parents when they call me and they're upset, they get an autism diagnosis, I said, you know, I, I cried buckets of tears when they told me it wasn't autism um, because I knew my child was struggling, um, and mm. now I didn't have a label for it. Um, and, and it came from a personal story. I attended a meeting here in town entitled um, mm-hmm. How to Help Your Child Make Friends, and when I was greeted at the door, they said, oh, do you have a child with autism? And I said, no, no, he doesn't have an autism diagnosis. And they said, well, why are you here? And I said, well, because he doesn't have any friends. <laughs> the title of the story was, you know, or the, the speaker was talking about how to help your child make friends. And so, you know, it opened up this whole thing. I, I formed a, a nice network of moms that we all had our kids in the special needs preschool together. And and the majority of them had children with autism, and they said, Sarah, you're just coming along with us, Um, because we were all on the same journey. And I think that's what really opened up my eyes is that we all wanted the same things. We wanted our our children to control their impulses. We wanted them to be able to make a friend. We wanted them to be potty trained. Mm -hmm. Um, and really the way to get there was the same, the answer, you know, when we went to the professionals and said, well, would you give a lecture differently if you were talking about a child with autism, trying to make friends or a child with ADHD, trying to make friends, the professionals came back and said, no, actually it's the same, the same process. It's the same things that a child needs to learn. with that said, there are some specific things regarding medication or specific Mm -hmm. therapies that are diagnosis-specific. But the core of the basic skills of what children need to be healthy and to be successful in their lives are really the same regardless of the diagnosis. So that became our philosophy. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's amazing to me that we will have in a discussion group parents with Down syndrome and parents of children with, autism sitting next to parents of children with cerebral palsy and we're all talking about bullying and the answer is the same and the pain is the same and Mm -hmm. yet the idea across the diagnosis has really formed a very nice community.
2: Yeah, I I, I think back, you know, a few years ago, I I became associated with this great um, Down Syndrome Awareness Group uh, here in Southern California in Orange County and we did a bunch of presentations for them specifically focusing on ABA and how ABA could be utilized to work on social skills. And it was really interesting how many of the, of the members and many of the parents were like, this just never would have occurred to me because it always felt like autism therapy, not a general therapy that my child could benefit from. And they all walked exactly. away with it. With this different idea, and it sounds like that's really what you guys are striving for.
0: Oh, exactly. You know, the whole concept of having a, a behaviorist come into your home to yeah. work on behaviors, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because many other providers now in Northeast Ohio no longer say autism. Um, so, yes, they do ABA, and they work primarily with children with autism, but mm-hmm. the same methodology that helps with behaviors for autism helps kids with oppositional defiance disorder, Um, ADHD, uh, Down Syndrome, and they've really taken off this market of creating that this knowledge that they created to help the children with autism can be very broadly applied to children that are struggling with a wide variety of
1: issues.
2: No, that's great. I mean, you're right, because it's it's what I I like about it is just the, the way you describe the different parents in a group together, it's uh-huh. It, it feels sometimes like our kids get siloed. It's, okay, this is the yeah. this is the kids with Down syndrome, and we're going to kind of silo them together. And it almost feels like, wouldn't these be the perfect kids to actually work together? Like, I think about I, doing I, – I use social skills as my example because it's the one that I feel like I have the most experience with. But putting three kids together in a group who have similar social deficits and look at social – issues from a similar perspective, it almost becomes harder to teach than if I have three kids, all of them are a little different, all of them kind of interact socially a little bit different, they're all on comparable levels, but one maybe has more of like a a social, it's more of a sensory processor issue, maybe one of them has more of a social immaturity. It, It sounds like these different groupings can almost facilitate better interactions that can almost allow the kids to not just be learners, but almost start to teach one another because they each have their own strengths and weaknesses that are maybe a little bit more complementary than just, hey, let's put every kid with Down syndrome in a group together. Let's put every kid with autism in a group together.
0: Yeah, and if you look, you know, our group kind of began with the special needs preschool here in town, and that's how they run the special preschools, right, is that they're generally Mm -hmm. um, a mixture of lessons. And I remember that, you know, my son was in there. He was nonverbal at the time and had very Mm. poor social. And yet um, his two people that continued to work with him was a little boy with Down syndrome who, no matter how many times my son rejected him, continued to come up and ask him to play. Right. And and the other great friend when he was learning how to talk was a boy who was born without ears who couldn't hear very well anyway. So my son's distorted sounds really didn't bother him a bit. Mm. (laughs) And so... They were this wonderful trio of kids that were helping each other, you know, and, and I just, got, yeah. you know, when we used to go in and observe that classroom, I thought, look at this, you know, my son is teaching, is the leader in the hopping games because he was great at right. those motor skills and he's teaching the boy with cerebral palsy how to hop, you know, and, and yet. You know, no matter how many times he rejected a child who was very social, you know, the child still was willing to embrace him and welcome him. And yeah. that, you know, once you extend that to the parents, it's the same way where the, the pain, you know, one of our core philosophies before we start any meeting is don't compare pain um, mm. because the pain of raising a child who's nonverbal with the pain of, of watching a child who might be high-functioning but struggling because they're being bullied is still pain as parents. Mm-hmm. And there's so much richness to share in the experiences from the different diagnoses, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and the gifts that we can bring to each other that we found more in common than we do
2: being apart. Do you find that you know this philosophy from the, the therapist in me, the the practitioner? I, I just I'm eating this up. You know, this is the the part of me that that's really exciting because it. it I hate the the labeling piece. I I know that what I do can help lots of different people, so I want to get it into the hands of lots of different people. But on the flip side, uh, so much of the way things are funded are labeled. You know, you have to have a label to get into this program or to get this type of funding. Do you find that the philosophy you guys have, um, does that maybe – lead to people coming to you more so uh, already with a label and they're looking more for resources or do you find people who work are coming and saying, look, I, like yourself, you, you described your child, you know, I knew something was wrong, therefore I went to seek things out and it sounded like you kind of got a label or maybe didn't get a label as you said later on. Do you find that the approach kind of lends you, you guys as an organization more to kind of one group versus the other?
0: Um, Yeah, you know, uh, if you actually look at the data, 60% of the parents that come to us come to us without a diagnosis. Wow. Um, At least at the beginning of the process. Yeah. Um, And some end up with a diagnosis um, and some do not. Um, But the majority of the people that are calling us are calling because they're not sure what it is. And, you know, if you think about it with how – either comorbid some of these issues are where you could have autism and ADHD,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, especially the high-functioning, maybe it's ADHD and an anxiety disorder, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, many times we've had families where they came to us thinking it was Asperger's and it turns out it's ADHD. Um, so so in that sense, um, really we tend to get a lot of my kids struggling with impulsivity, with, you know, um, you know, those basic skills. And, and not so many of, you know, my child at 18 months is diagnosed with autism. Um, mm-hmm. But with that said, generally what happens is that we because we have a close network with the autism community here, that if we're offering a topic or a speaker um, that applies to them, they tend to get to come into us this way, that they get handed that once they get the diagnosis, they go to the autism-specific group who then connects to us if there's a program that we might be offering that would be
2: useful. Got it.
0: Um, But, you know, on a different note, you know, with the programming and the funding, what Mm -hmm. I've seen change here in Northeast Ohio in the last three years is the broadening of those. So Mm -hmm. that, for example, we had some great um, social skills camps that were for children Mm -hmm. with autism only. And once Mm -hmm. I started talking to the professionals about the need for social skills camps for children with ADHD or with no diagnoses or, you know, shy kids, um, kids with anxiety disorders, Um, Not all of them, but many of them have opened it up to Mm -hmm. working with other children and Mm -hmm. have, I mean, one of the businesses, I mean, has just grown, like, by leaps and bounds. Um, Wow. And so the funding, obviously, with insurance, you know, many of the behaviors that work in the home um, can't get the insurance, so it goes to private pay. Um, Mm -hmm. But we've been able to convince some of the local foundations in town to help to supplement that for some of the families. Um, Wow, that's awesome. And so... I'm hoping that you know eventually we can start to change some of the culture both with the professionals and the funders to say if you broaden this up there's a big market out there for you Um, and a lot of kids that can benefit from the wisdom that they have
2: yeah yeah no I mean it it, it's sometimes surprising to me because you know at least again in in the arena that I spend my time in I, I know there's a lot of research that's already been done to say ABA works with all of these different populations, not just autism, but it's it's obviously a process to kind of get everyone to to see all of that, to recognize all of that. Um, you know, it, it, three years obviously is, is tremendous progress from what you're describing, but I know like globally it takes it takes more time. So it sounds like we have some right. work to do.
0: <laughs> well, look at us, Cleveland leading the way. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, I, I actually, it's, it's what we were getting ready for today. I even said to uh, to Christina, uh, you know, who helped me with the show, I was like, oh, yeah, like Ohio actually has, there's a lot of great resources. I mean, I I know a lot of people. A good friend of mine lived in Columbus for a long time. Um, I know there's Cleveland, Columbus. There's actually, from my experience, actually a lot of just forward thinking in terms of how we look at um, special needs and, and particularly the therapy and teaching around it. So... Yeah, uh, I agree.
0: I, you know, we are not. My husband and I are not from here, but we are. Uh-huh. We're incredibly surprised um, with how um, how much the Cleveland area in Ohio is yeah. a thriving community.
2: So, yeah, yes, um, we love it here. Well, well, you know, Cleveland rocks. So of course you're gonna love it. You know, it's. <laughs> Alright, that was my cheesy joke. I feel like that's where I have to like say, maybe we should take a commercial right now. I kinda I, I went a little too cheesy. So um let's let's take a quick break. Let's play a couple of commercials. Uh and when we come back I wanna talk a little bit more about connecting for kids and some of the um some of the things that you guys did when you set it up that I think have been uh really cool, um that I, I, I wanna kinda learn more about the behind uh, how this all happened and and some of the philosophy behind it. So um, we'll take this break, and we'll talk more with Sarah.
1: Autism Spectrum Therapies is proud to present Autism Spectrum Radio. At AST, we see a world where people with autism dream and achieve their full potential. Our promise is to support families through our extensive resources, highly trained staff, and outstanding programs. At AST, we recognize that every child is unique. We are proud to offer what we believe is the most cohesive approach to supporting your child's needs and goals at each stage. From ABA to speech therapy, occupational therapy, and social skills, we have the elements you need to build the plan that is just right for you. One company, one team, with one mission to support individuals and their families to dream and achieve their full potential. Call us today to let us know how we can best support your family at 866-727-8274. To find out more about AST, visit our website at www.autismtherapies.com. This is Autism Spectrum Radio. If you have a question or comment for our host or today's guest, please send an email to moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. That's more info at autismtherapies.com. Now, back to the program.
2: Hey, welcome back to Autism Spectrum Radio. Joined today by Sarah Rintamaki, uh, the Executive Director of Connecting for Kids. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is, again, is, you know, it's the, it's the spectrum of how you set up an organization um, that I think is interesting is, you know, there's groups out there that are, that are all parent-led, and then there are groups that are kind of a balance. There's professionals, educators, as well as parents. And have, you guys sided on the latter, And I was curious um, if there was a thought about going one versus the other and what ultimately made you decide that you wanted to have this balance of professionals and parents kind of leading the way for the organization.
0: Yeah, you know, when we first began, the first thing we did was go out and actually um, survey parents and professionals and ask them what they thought was needed in the community. And what was amazing to me was how much the professionals really wanted to be a part of helping the parents. Um, you know, I heard over and over again that the professionals that were working with the special needs community wished that there was a way they could help the parents more, that they could refer them to other places, that they could help guide them outside of the therapy session that they're in. Um, and this overwhelming... Um, response that, that if they could only do more, they would do more. And yeah. so that's why we created it with a collaboration between the professionals and the educators, um, the pediatricians, and the parents. And what's been great about this collaboration is that the referrals we get. So I, you know, I, I can get referred my organization from a teacher where a kid is just struggling in school and they're having a hard time telling that parent, boy, you know, um, we don't think he's just shy. Um, Mm -hmm. We think there's a lot more that could be going on, which, you know, teachers would say they would have these conversations with parents. The parents would leave in tears, and they have no other way of helping or supporting them, Um, or at least now they feel like they can say, call Sarah, call Connecting for Kids, Um, Mm -hmm. and they're going to help find a way to help you. Um, And the same Mm -hmm. thing, you know, where, you know, even pediatricians said that they would give the, the diagnosis or refer on for specialist training, and, you know, they just felt like the poor parent walked out of the room with nothing. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's the neat part is that this interconnection between all of us working together to be able to be successful in helping the entire family um, and coordinating between each other, uh, which gets lost sometimes in that, you know, you're doing therapy at this place and you're getting your schooling from this place and, and nobody's really talking or sharing or
2: connecting with each other. Yeah, it just feels way more collaborative in with this approach, and and you almost get again, you avoid those um, those those silos, you know, where everyone gets placed, you know, all information is coming from this one perspective. You almost get more of a balance from this approach.
0: Exactly, and I can do things, you know, as a nonprofit that they can't do. Um, for example, you know, uh, we just had a, a family that was um, had a two-year-old diagnosed with autism, and they called me. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, there was a family that was literally less than a mile away from them that had just had a diagnosis of autism. Same ages, same, same gender, um, and nobody else is allowed to share that kind of information.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, but
0: I can't because of confidentiality reasons. And the two moms have started meeting for coffee and they're becoming best friends. And, you know, I think that there can be a lot to be said for having um, an outside force to help to bridge all of these silos that we have. You know, everyone's so worried about the regulations and confidentiality and, and yeah. stepping over the line as an educator and getting sued, whereas I can have more of that straight conversation and say, yeah, you know what, medicine might be the best bet for you guys, you know? Right. Um, whereas a teacher can't have that conversation.
2: So It almost feels like, and maybe in this, I think this is kind of a, com- a common part of what you're doing, is like I think of you just said it there's HIPAA stuff I have to keep certain confidentiality and there's times where I may say well I've got these like if, if I have two clients I think they're a perfect match for each other I want to get the moms in touch the kids could be great playdate buddies you know there's a process I have to get releases of information we have to you know okay. there's all this paperwork and documentation because of HIPAA just as you said it almost seems like you have this opportunity to match parents together, um, whether it be for support, whether it be to have a, just a friendly cup of coffee and, and vent. Uh, maybe it's for a play date. Um, it sounds like this is kind of like an opportunity you have to just kind of make it a lot easier on everybody and, and do it more from a personal yeah, level.
0: And it is our, our number one most popular program. We call it a parent match. And that's really all it is, It's just an introduction of another mom or another dad who is in the same situation um, and it's really, really taken off because um, sometimes you just want to find that person who gifts your life, um, who can understand without you having to explain too much about why your day was bad
1: um, mm-hmm.
0: or how you're afraid about the end of school year and summer coming up <laughs> and the changes in yeah. the resulting schedule. Um, yeah. and that is, and you know, and I think so many of, of our other professionals are, are bound by such laws that it makes it very challenging, um, for somebody to go through and do that. Whereas it just takes an email on my part to say, Hey, you want to talk to another mom or you want to talk to another dad? They live right down the street from you.
2: Um, yeah. and as yeah. long as
0: both parents say, yes, we exchange the contact information. So
2: got it. You know, you, you talked about the, the parent match, but there's another program I want to uh, to talk to you a little bit about, which I think is really interesting, is um, is your You Don't Know What You Don't Know. Um, and I was hoping you could maybe tell us a little bit about that program, because uh, looking at it on the website, it, it looked like a really cool campaign.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah, you know, this um, came from my New Year's resolution. And, mm-hmm. and I just felt like we've been working on this for three years, And and like you said at the beginning of the program, there's still so far we have to go with changing how people perceive kids who struggle, Um, and and especially for what we call the invisible diagnoses and the visible struggles, where you might see an impulsive child hitting another child, and and they're immediately labeled, I think, by many people as being a bad kid or you're a bad parent. Um, Yeah. One of the (laughs) – and yet – You know, I don't think there's a lot of education that impulsivity is a skill that can be taught and that can be delayed, just like somebody walking, you need to be taught sometimes or can have a delay in walking. A child can have a delay in impulsivity and can get there um, and learn to control those impulses, but it could just be a delay. And We really felt, our board of directors, that we needed to start doing education um, on some of the common struggles we see our kids facing. Um, And so Mm -hmm. we created this awareness campaign called You Don't Know What You Don't Know, meant to educate the broader community about not judging these children. Um, And once again, it's without labels, without any um, diagnoses, and it's meant to be talking about social skills, impulsivity, um, giving your child medicine, which many of our our families hear judgment about why would you give a seven-year-old medicine, um, when the child might actually truly need that medicine to be successful, um, as well as counseling. You know, in Northeast Ohio, there is still quite a lot of stigma about seeking counseling help, um, that, that you would only go if it was something that was truly wrong or truly bad. And so going to a counseling session um, to be able to help you cope with a child who's struggling or to be able to take a child in elementary school to help them cope with um, social skills or other things. It's really a generational shift where we need to start educating people that counseling can be a very wonderful, great resource for a lot of families and that there isn't a stigma to going to it. So with all of those sort of stigmas as well as therapies such as medicine and counseling that has the stigmas with it, we created these six posters um, that... Are shared in our school districts um, that are up in a good portion of the professionals actually on the on the west side of Cleveland they've hung the posters mm-hmm. up and you know any of your listeners could go to our website and download them for free or share them on Facebook or Twitter um, just start making sure that at least their friends and their, their family understand um, some of these messages like impulsivity is a developmental skill and, and just mm-hmm. because a child doesn't have it at seven does it mean
2: that they're mm-hmm. not going to have it at 12th? Um, yeah. No, I, and it, it sounds like it's really consistent with just the overall theme of the organization. You're focusing in on here's an issue, let's talk about the issue and kind of have that be the foundation of where we go.
0: Exactly. Yeah, um, no, it's great. You know, that, you know, sensory issues is another one. You know, many children I know with autism have sensory issues, and mm-hmm. we have found that, Um, You know, outside of the special needs community, most people still don't understand, you know, that sensory issues. So a child who is upset at the um, parade because the fire truck went by, that that that's just a part of how they hear the world and that it's not a bad kid or, uh, you know, irritating child, that it's um, just a child who's struggling with their senses. Um, So that's been a big one that has been shared quite a lot just because of the relative lack of education. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's interesting. That's our number one shared um, poster right now is the one about sensory
2: issues. You know, you mentioned it before. The one that I actually was kind of most excited by um, was actually the medication uh, poster because, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like that is having worked with so many parents, it's the one that I know leads to a lot of emotion, that decision of, uh, whether or not to use medication. Um, it, it's been very difficult for a number of families I've worked with, and they've all made very different decisions. Um, and so it, it's nice that there's a forum there, because I almost find that that's something that is, you know, sometimes we, we say, well, that's such a personal thing. I may not want to get involved in that conversation. So it was really nice from my perspective to see hey, let's, let's tackle this, let's address this, let's get into this topic and not take the perspective of, hey, this is a personal thing, but let's talk about experiences or, or what this really um, could mean or, or what the options are. So I, I really like that personally.
0: Yeah, and to normalize it. You know, I think that you're yeah. right because of, let's say, the HIPAA laws. You know, you're talking to your pediatrician, maybe, about the medicine. And so you don't even know of another family out there that has their child on a medicine. And so all you're hearing is potentially your mother-in-law saying, how could you drug families only, you know, eight years yeah. old? And, um, yeah. you know, you might be hearing negative feedback from family members who don't have an education or an experience about how drugs have changed or right. how the chemistry of a brain might need um, some medicine. And so that was when we were talking with our families and with the professionals. They were saying, you know, just to normalize it, that there's actually quite a lot of people out there that have children that need medicine to be functional um, and that it doesn't mean that it's a quick fix. You know, it doesn't mean that you're a parent who's just drugging their kid because you're not doing all the work. Um, Right, right. That the majority of parents who are doing it are very thoughtfully adding it as a tool among many other tools that they're trying to do to help their child be successful.
2: When you read Um, that. I I was going to say, you know, and also the, I I think, you know, anytime you talk to a doctor about medication, they have to go through all the side effects. And I I feel like the Uh moment you hear side effects, it gets really scary. So I'm sure it's great to be able to talk to another parent who can say, yeah, you know, this is our experiences. Obviously it doesn't represent everyone, but I know a lot of parents have have felt a lot more at ease in terms of, again, it, it almost personalizes here's someone else who is in this situation. I can I can relate, I can understand, and, and so forth. So I think that's mm-hmm. I think And that's, that's where, really our, you know,
0: our parent, our parent match program, um, a lot of times we match based on medicine. So yeah. if you're looking at a specific medicine, hey, has anyone tried this to help with sleeping, or, you know, whatever it is that the medicine you're trying to do, we do a lot of matching, and you can hear the parents mm-hmm. then say, oh, yeah, we tried it, and it was a miracle lifesaver. Suddenly we're getting, you know, lots of rust, yeah. or um, we saw symptoms decrease, or... Um, you know, like you said, the side effects, a lot of times there's lots of appetite or weight gain or mm-hmm. other side effects. And so hearing other parents say, okay, well, here's what we did. We put protein powder in his oatmeal. And, um, you know, a lot of times it can normalize the experience that, um, you know, that, that there might be side effects, but that the side effects might actually outweigh and or be less than what the original symptoms were and managing the side effects can be handled as well. And so okay. um, that's where that. You know, mom helping a mom, and dad helping a dad is one of our core philosophies. And, and there's just that parent perspective that is so powerful. Yeah.
2: You know, one of the things that I'm, I'm personally interested in, and uh, I'm hoping to get your perspective on a little bit of a different topic, is uh, I'm always fascinated by stories like yours, where it's my personal journey led me to this um, led me to start this, led me to, you know, get involved with an organization. And because uh, I, I find it to be a very intimidating thing, you know, again, working with so many families, I feel like the, the thing I hear a lot of times, especially early on, at least in, in the autism community with diagnosis, is sometimes uh, feelings of helplessness, sometimes feelings of isolation, Um, And uh, I think just as people, our instinct oftentimes is to kind of take care of ourselves. um, uh, And then, you know, when we have this desire, then, okay, I take care of myself. I'm in a good place. I want to give back. We're not always quite sure how. You know, the systems are complicated. Um, You clearly have, have done an incredible job of kind of funneling all of this, you know, taking care of yourself, taking care of your kids, getting this message out to everyone else, Um, I know we we oftentimes have a lot of listeners who have these desires of wanting to give back, spread a message, spread a word. Um, Do you have advice for them of, you know, what to think about or or words of wisdoms of of how they can kind of get something else going? Because, you know, the impact of an organization like yours, both on the local or maybe now with Internet and, and different connectivity things, maybe nationally, I mean, it's tremendous.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah, no, I have. Um, I get this question a lot, and, you know, I think it, it really isn't that hard as long as you focus on, like, two major, major things that I think really made this successful. And the first one is um, involving a lot of people. You know, mm-hmm. when, when we first came up with this idea, all I did was talk to people about it and talk to everyone. You know, hey, I have this idea of starting up this group um, that we get together and and we provide common education and support. What do you think? Um, And talk to moms and moms who thought it was a horrible idea and moms who thought it was a great idea and professionals and educators. And the more people I talked to, the more people I began to hear say, this would be a great idea and I want to help. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is the reason why it really took off is that, It wasn't just me, that the idea had enough merit and enthusiasm behind it that there was at least, you know, there were eight people, very quickly ten people at the very, very beginning that were saying, I want to be committed to making this happen. And I think that's where um, we really gathered the enthusiasm and the support. So that's where I would say... um, you know, making sure that, that the idea is sound enough and that you have a broad base of people who say, I, I'm willing to give money and I'm willing to give my time to be able to launch this, then you know you've got a good idea. Um, yeah. And then the rest of it just flowed. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I could not have done any of this without the support of my board of directors with my staff who, you know, who all I mean, everybody volunteered the first, you know, year and a half until we actually got some grants and some funding and... The number of wow. hours that they have put into making this happen um, is really what made this successful.
2: Wow, that's awesome. Um, well, I mean, we're, we're running out of time. Um, it's it's been great talking to you. Um, I know we've got you know we've got listeners in your backyard. We've got listeners from all across the country. Um, how can people kind of stay in touch with the organization um, or? Learn more about what you're doing. Reach out if if they've got questions or advice. What's the best way for people to uh, to keep in touch with you guys?
0: Well, they can come to our website at connectingforkids.org, um, and they could join us and join our email newsletter. We do put all of our speakers now on podcast, so they can always listen to a nice. speaker even if they can't make it over to Cleveland. Um, and then, obviously, if anybody wants to download or print our posters for our You Don't Know What You Don't Know campaign, um, they're welcome to do it. They're all on our website,
2: connectingforkids.org. Awesome. Well, connectingforkids.org. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. I, I really, you know, we, we – it's funny. i, I We kind of stumbled upon your group in kind of an indirect way, and both Christina and I just thought you guys had such a great message um, and – just that overall philosophy, uh, you know, of putting the, the need first and, and pairing it with therapy, and then kind of kind of backing into everything, just really resonated with us. So it's it's great talking to you and learning more about just this this great organization. Thanks for being here.
0: Well, you're welcome. It was a pleasure.
2: All right, have a great have a great weekend, uh, and I'm sure we'll all be talking soon.
0: Okay, thank you, Rob. Bye.
2: Bye. Um, Kind of winding up here, um, you know. Really, really great to talk to different groups. Uh, I, as I said uh, to Sarah, I feel like I've heard so much about um, resources and, and information that's coming out of Ohio, and I think, uh, you know, groups like this one are just are just right on. Um, you know, I, I as I said, I, I keep finding myself swinging back and forth. You know, there's the there's the insurance person who's supporting all these families through that process, who really. Re- understands the need for labels and how important it is and where that diagnosis is so critical. But on the flip side now, you know, there's that, there's that BCBA who who knows that our therapy is, is so much more than just an autism therapy. It's something that can help so many different kids. So it's great that we've got this balance, you know, where we can kind of almost compartmentalize or, or put different hats on, um, And, you know, groups like this are just right on with that approach of, you know, let's get people together and and talk about what the needs are and and identify the right resources around them. Um, So, as always, if you guys have questions, comments, whatever you got, bring them our way. More info at autismtherapies.com. Also, uh, talk to us on Facebook. Getting uh, lots of comments is always there, and it's always great to hear from you guys um, about just thoughts, questions, or even suggestions for the show. I'm always open to that. It's always great when uh, a number of our guests have actually reached out to us on Facebook, and uh, we, just, we get chatting, and we just feel like, hey, you've got a great message. Let's, let's get you on the show. So it's always great to share those, those ideas and those thoughts. I uh, hope everyone has a great week, great weekend. And, uh, and I'll speak to you all soon. Take care, everybody.
1: We hope you have enjoyed today's episode of Autism Spectrum Radio. For additional information and resources about autism, visit www.autismtherapies.com. Please join us each week for a new episode or visit our archives to listen to and download previous shows.